1: Hello and welcome to a new Game Notes with Tony Jones and Dave DeFore. I'm Dave DeFore. That's Tony Jones. What's up, Tony? New Game Notes podcast. Yeah. It's you just, didn't well, say it's podcast. They know said, it's a podcast. They know notes. it's a podcast. Nah, man. Tony, they downloaded it onto their device or laptop or whatever. They know it's a podcast. They didn't know it was a podcast. Matter of fact, it's a bit redundant that I even say our names. Because they know we're on here. They're coming here to listen to you, Tony. First so of all, welcome. they came to listen to you. I came to rub your head. Well, that, I mean, yes, because I'm the only person in in this duo with a bald, smooth head, thanks to Harry's razors. I mean, that's <laughs> that's
2: exactly one way to look at it. Yeah, you're you're an uh, expert at this. So the, I, I really love you for this.
1: <laughs> I'm an expert at what? Just talking the podcast thing. Oh, I, you know what? I um, I, I will I will take credit for uh, being a good hang. I think I'll just say that. Don't ever not Uh, be my partner. Oh, well, I mean, I'm already trying to get us on a national show. So if Tanika has some pull, you know, we'll find out soon because this will just go national. Uh, They'll have to change it to Game Notes National or something since uh, we need to remind everyone this is the Game Notes podcast, right? I'm just saying, man, listen, I mean, Mm -hmm. we were
2: always taught full transparency
1: in journalism. (laughs) Again, there's a there's a barrier for entry. They had to download the podcast. They know it's a podcast. Oh. Now we're getting hung up on semantics here. Okay, okay. All right. So, uh, Tony, yesterday was the NBA trade deadline. Yes, it was. How was that for you? Was it fun? Um, I woke up at
2: 7.30 a.m. With the chickens. I literally woke up with the chickens yesterday. Um, <laughs> I had a player agent text that said, yo, put this out there. And immediate and then whenever an agent says put this out there it's kind of like okay you know so i woke up at 7 30. one of my agents sent me a text and i went to bed at 2 30 a.m this morning because of I spent a couple hours on Madden. In between, <laughs> I wrote a couple stories, I covered the trade deadline. Alex Jensen stayed in Utah and didn't go to, go to the to the Utah University of Utah Utes. I uh, took my daughter to a cheer competition. A lot of stuff happened.
1: Yeah. Uh, you must have the nicest wife on the planet. She must be just incredible. She's incredibly intolerable of me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm sure it really sounds like it. Well, the the Jazz did make a trade. They got Matt Thomas. Uh, you know, they were kicking the tires on J.J. Redick. So clearly this team felt like it needed, I guess, a, a little bit of extra shooting coming off the bench is, is my assumption here. You know, um, Matt Thomas clearly not going to start. And it only cost him a second round pick. So pretty good pickup. It, just for a, you know, 15th man. You need to knock down a shot late in a game or something like that. Maybe there would have been more utility if they'd gotten JJ Redick. Maybe he would have been able to take on a, a little bit of a bigger role off the bench. But uh, you know, do you expect to see Matt Thomas? getting rotational minutes at any point? No. And the reason, you know, Matt Thomas
2: is a a long-term play for the Jazz. So, you know, he's probably not going to be in the rotation this year. Might be in the rotation next year, uh, depending on what whatever happens to the roster in the offseason. But, you know, it's like a continuity play on, you know, the best attribute that they have on their roster. The Jazz are the best shooting roster in the league. They feel like they can't have enough shooters. I just go back to, a couple of years ago when the Jazz lost to the Houston Rockets um, in the first round of the playoffs because they just could not make a shot uh, from outside of the lane and you know Dennis Lindsey you know just sat in the press conference the getaway press conference for the season it was just like we're going to be looking for shooters okay but well, what kind of shooters just shooters you know Dennis you need a big uh, you you might need a point guard because you might not have Ricky Uh, rubio back you you might need a couple shooters uh, small forwards or whatever well whatever position these guys play they need to be able to shoot the ball and and that's just basically what the jazz have done you know ever since that moment was you know whether it's a, a point guard a shooting guard small forward power forward or whatever if you can't shoot the basketball you know the jazz have probably not going to be really interested, really that all that interested in you. So yeah. that's just reminded me, you know, Matt Thomas is just another reminder of that. And, you know, another reminder that he's a guy that, you know, the Jazz call a weapon shooter, which is, you know, he's not somebody that can just knock down a shot, but he's somebody that can knock down shots in droves.
1: Yeah. And he's going to draw attention, right? Which is when he plays, and and it may not be this year, but when he plays, if this is a guy who develops, when you have guys like this that can shoot it at this level, and especially with the off ball movement, I mean, there's a reason JJ Redick has made the money in his career, especially later in his career, as he has. There's a reason Kyle Korver was able to hang around on teams that were going for the finals as long as he has. There's a reason why Duncan Robinson has people re- re-evaluating the way that they look at the second round of the draft, and it's because that kind of shooting is pretty rare. And so when it works out and you actually get a player who can contribute, you know, and, and I don't think Matt Thomas is that guy yet, but if he becomes that guy with that shooting. All of a sudden, Donovan Mitchell gets an uptick. All of a sudden, Rudy Gobert gets an uptick. All of these other guys get to benefit from that added space and the threat. And, and you know, that's the type of guy that they don't really have right now. Um, and and even though everyone's shooting the ball pretty well, minus Boyan, I, I think that having a guy on the bench who you know can knock down a shot. I mean, he may just be a situational shooter, which is a, what a luxury. You know, we've never seen a team in the playoffs say, Oh, we have too much shooting, right? Crap. I wish the end of our bench couldn't shoot. Uh, you know, it's just like playmaking when, when we talk about like the nets. Oh, there's only one basketball. What are all those amazing basketball players that are so good at creating shots off the dribble going to do? Well, they're going to be able to create shots off the dribble constantly and you can't stop them. Well, that's one of the beauty, you know, the beauties of having all this shooting is that if one guy is cold, you know you've got guys on the bench who can come in and are likely going to hit shots. So I, I love the addition, and again, it's a great flyer. It didn't cost you anything. You didn't have to give up anything. And I know how much they love Oni. And to me, this was you know this deadline where they didn't go out and get an upgrade in those minutes, or they didn't move him out for someone you know maybe with a draft asset. For, for an upgrade in the short term that says a lot to me about how they feel about him I, I think that that's an interesting wrinkle in this too
2: the thing about it is that the jazz scanned the market they did you know they did their homework you know they looked at potential stuff you know involving guys that they feel could come in and defend and they did not like any of the options better than Aoni. you know i know that miaoni's you know he's situational he doesn't play unless somebody's Hurt or uh, hurt or in foul trouble, you know the Jazz really like him and they they really think pretty highly of him, you know. So they just didn't bring anybody in because they didn't think that there were any better options out there in terms of you know finding a perimeter defender and and to your point the two dominant traits that you can never have enough of you can never have enough shooting and you can never have enough at least in the nba level right now you can never have enough perimeter defenders so if you can't have one and the jazz obviously couldn't find one you got to have the other so that's why they doubled down on the shooting with matt thomas and and yeah you know the jazz were really interested in in jj reddick but they're hoping that Matt Thomas, for all intents and purposes, can be a younger and less expensive version of J.J. Redick.
1: Yeah, and down the line, right? Because this right. isn't a team that, that has the luxury of being able to only think short term, right? Like the good franchises in this league are doing both. Utah happens to be in a great position right now to, to compete for a title this year. But they're not a market like the Lakers. They have to continually think – What are we going to do next year? What's two years from now going to look like? And that's what this sort of Matt Thomas move on the margins. You know, this is why Mieoni, finding him, like that found money type of player is such an important thing for good teams. You know, Rudy Gobert isn't getting cheaper. Neither is Donovan Mitchell. Uh, You know, you're going to have some other contracts coming up here soon. And, And I just think that when you can find guys that are, I'm not going to call Matt Thomas a project because he's not quite a project yet. Uh, but you know the one skill that he has that's elite, and that was the hardest one to find. So uh, I think this was a good move for them. Uh, any thoughts as to why they, they weren't looking to make a bigger move to shake things up? I mean, I know you're you know, number one team in the West, but most teams are always looking to improve. Do you just feel like they really like the core and they didn't want to do anything to disrupt that chemistry?
2: There was nobody that they could bring in that would – No question, make their top nine without you know giving up somebody that they would never give up,
1: (laughs) yeah, right. So, I mean, that's that's basically what that is. Donovan Mitchell, if you, yeah, if you want Aaron Gordon,
2: yeah, if you want Aaron Gordon, you could trade Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, yeah, Yeah, that's how you get Aaron Gordon because you wouldn't trade in Bolyan Bogdanovich. Because in order to trade Bolyan Bogdanovich, you'd have to have somebody trade for Bojan Bogdanovich,
0: yeah.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I think Bielitsa is like the one guy that that did move yesterday that I feel like would be a great fit for this team. But Agreed. I'd rather have Boyan in the role that he plays for Utah than than Bielitza. But but
2: if you if you have Bielitza, the role that he would take is is George Nyang. Exactly. You know, and the Jazz right. weren't gonna do that either.
1: And the difference is that Bielitza can actually defend. Like he would actually plug right into this defense and and add something that they're they're kind of missing, which is, you know, a, a tweener Sort of big, who can kind of guard on the wing, but also knock down shots coming off the bench. So uh, I think Miami did a great job picking him up. But we're, we're talking Utah. Uh, another guy, another thing I want to talk about. Uh, you wrote a great story about the ultimate Rudy Gobert game. And it was, you know, it was the game where he had 21, 10 rebounds and nine blocks against the Bulls. And to me, that was a game that uh, it felt like Utah straightened out their issues. And whatever had been happening defensively, it certainly seems like there was a there was a moment before this game where Rudy was just like, "Look, we're not doing this anymore. We got to fix these problems." And Rudy was incredible. Why did the Bulls keep going at him? You're a basketball player. You you know you're competitive. You're gonna the goal is to score. You're not Rudy. Rudy's shutting you down. I'm sorry. Like your condition to still go into the paint. Foolish pride. Listen. Rudy Gobert out there. You better shoot those threes. As a
2: basketball player. When I was a, a basketball player at a competitive level, I had a lot of foolish pride. I'll tell you a story. My uh, senior year, we were playing in the Sunny Hill League, and uh, Rasheed Wallace had just finished up his freshman year uh, in North Carolina, at North Carolina. And my team played. I was playing in the college division, and we were playing against Rasheed. And, you know, I went to the basket like five times in the first half and Rasheed tossed my finish pretty much every time, you know, just talking junk everything. And at halftime, my coach, who's the great John, John Hardnett, who's passed away, look him up. He's one of the, the legends of Philly basketball. I, I played for, for Harnett for three years. And, you know, and he said, guys were getting killed out there, yada, yada, yada. And he was like, you know, but yo, at least the guards have a lot of heart. And he was looking at me. He was like, "At least the guards have a lot of heart, you know? They're going to the basket." And then under the breath, he was like, "They're getting that shit tossed, but at least they're going." <laughs> <laughs> so I know full. Hey, that's you're dumb, but you got heart. <laughs> that was exactly what he was saying. He was like, "Yo, you're dumb. Stop doing this." But hey, hey at least you're going. <laughs> you know, we were getting crushed by like 20. I mean, so that's that that it was like a backhanded compliment. But that's the point. Like well, that's also, what they were different doing. Different
1: world back then too. It was the mid yeah. '90s. I yes, got benched it was a for taking team. a transition three. Yeah. So it's a different thing. Look, we got to be smarter, right? It's the NBA. Rudy Gobert's out there having the defensive game of his life. Like he was so locked in, and and to be fair to the rest of the team, they were doing an excellent job of cutting off attacking angles that would allow Gobert to to miss out on the play. So they were putting Gobert, and this is where the bread and butter for Utah's defense is during the regular season, is when all those guys are pulling that one rope and funneling directly to Gobert, and he gets to clean up. And it makes him look amazing, but the truth of the matter is, if he wasn't as skilled as he is, it wouldn't work. The thing with Rudy this
2: year, he's playing at a career high level, and I don't think it's close. As good as Rudy has been in in previous seasons, he's never been as good as he is now. He is legitimately just insane this year and the difference this year from previous years is he's been able to come up with that signature game jazz's defense before that chicago bulls game was just not good but rudy basically came up with the we're not going to take this anymore game and i don't think i've ever been seen him be able to do that which is basically just put the entire team on his back and will his team to a win when they really needed a win or they really needed a good win and chicago was a good win I keep saying it, but I just, you know, as somebody who covers Rudy Gobert and somebody who sees him every night, I just I just wish that he got his flowers. And I don't say this as a fan. I say this as a fan of basketball in general because he's just as
1: unique a player as I've seen in a long time, and he's he's just really, really good. I mean, basketball is art, so it's open to interpretation, right? And so I can understand novices not understanding the impact that Rudy has – night in and night out on both sides of the ball. I can completely understand that. Um the truth is though, this guy is the best at what he does in the league. Yeah. Now what he does, I mean, it's it's not versatile and that's an issue and and I think you brought it up in your in your column where you talked about this. You were, you know, it needs to happen in the playoffs. He needs to be able to have nights like this in the playoffs, but the rest of that Utah Jazz team needs to make it so he can have nights like this. The shooting has to has to maintain in the playoffs. You know, this is there's a there's a fallacy about Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. He doesn't get played off the court on the defensive end. Yeah, that's a fallacy. Get, he gets played off the court on the offensive end. They have to they have to go smaller and add shooting. And and that's why he gets quote unquote played off the court. He plays roughly the same number of minutes. I
2: think that Rudy's challenge is i mean he knows that he has a lot of proving to do and yeah that's basically the thing i mean he's he knows that no matter what he's doing right now uh he knows that it's just not going to count until he does it at the playoffs
1: yep uh all right let's let's do our picks um last week we were both two and two uh we both somehow missed the wizards game I, i think utah actually missed the wizards game too and then they went. They went three and one on the week. They lost to the Wizards, uh, and then they beat everyone else. The Nets. I had, I thought they were going to lose, but everybody's out for the Nets, so a uh, little bit of an easier game for Utah. Now the next week, this this and I want you to walk me through this because you're covering this team so closely, and you've seen how they've performed in back to backs. I mean, I'm just looking at uh, a couple weeks ago they played the Clippers back to back. They won the first game, lost the second one. They blew the Clippers out in the first game, but there was no Kawhi or Paul George. So we're looking at a week where they're going to play the Grizzlies back-to-back. Then they play the Cavs, and then they play the Grizzlies again. I I don't even know how to pick this week, Tony. It, it's very weird that, that you'll have a team play another team three times in five days. feels more like a playoff series than, than the regular season. It's going to be really hard for the Jazz to win all three of these games. Yeah. I think they're going to drop one. I'm going to pick them to win all 3 of these games against the Grizzlies. I'm going to pick the Jazz to go 4 and 0 this week. All right. Okay. I mean, I think the the 3 and 1 is a no-brainer to me, but I worry about the trap game of the the back to back. I just think, you know, the NBA like the talent is so good that even the Grizzlies who aren't as good as the Jazz can beat the Grizzlies on any given night, but in particular on the second night of a back-to-back. I
2: think if the Jazz are going to lose one, it's going to be in Memphis. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to for the sake of I need to get ahead of you. Am I am I behind the game <laughs> or am I No, we're tied. We're tied. We're right? tied. Like I We're both we are 25 and 14. I need to pull ahead of this. This is just madness and silly that we're treading water from week to week. I need I need to pull ahead. <laughs> In my quest for Roost Chris, so I'm picking. I'm picking the Jazz to win all four games this week.
1: All right, I've got them dropping that second game to the Grizzlies. I I, th- I just think it's a trap game, not not necessarily for them, but by the schedule. You play the same team two nights in a row. I, I just think that second one, even like they could blow them out in the first game. I think that second one's just always tougher. You know the scout. Catches up, and you just get more used to a team's tendencies. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to go three and one. You've got them four and zero, so we might get some separation this week, Tony.
2: I'm I'm just saying right now. Listen, I'm feeling myself number one because Tony Bradley just had eighteen and eleven, or twenty and eleven in Philly. Now he got traded the next day.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had to make room for Paul Reed, man. <laughs>
2: Oh my God! You just put this in the proper context. Like my man had twenty and
1: ten, and then they traded him to make room for Paul Reed. That's right. That's right. B-ball, Paul. Man, you gotta you gotta get minutes for that guy because you need to know who he is. But yeah, Tony. Tony, I think you know who he is. Oh, Goodness gracious! <laughs> All right. So you're gonna lose this week, and I'm gonna be ahead uh, in our in our stake battle. This is gonna be great. I'm looking forward to taking the lead. Tony, you got any big stories coming up in the next week? Uh,
2: grinding as usual. I got some some big stuff down the line. That's
1: gonna be that's gonna be monstrous. I'm working on it. Okay. Well, I'm excited, Tony. You know, I read all your stuff because I have to. It's in my contract. So uh, <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week's game notes podcast. We're just gonna end this podcast uh, on with backhanded
2: compliments. <laughs>
1: Yes, we are. For Tony Jones, I'm Dave DeFore, and we'll talk to you next week on the Game Notes
0: podcast. It's a podcast.